We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for new focus on wealth, Chad Burton. When I was in high school, I went to my father's retirement party. It was a very odd concept. He retired from the military after serving a full career. It was something that I, I didn't much care for. It was like, I, I didn't get the concept. I didn't get the meaning, but a lot of his coworkers took him to a lunch and then gave speeches and handshakes and such. And this show today, we're going to be talking about retirement. Are you ready for it? I think my dad was. Um, it's an interesting thing to talk about because I've never thought that question out loud. I know that I'm not. The seven steps for retirement readiness is coming in, coming up soon, featuring me, but more importantly, Chad Burt. Uh, it's hosted by EP Wealth Advisors. It's going to be the Stanford Park Hotel, lovely hotel in Menlo Park, California, kind of in between San Carlos and Palo Alto. Easy to get to, super easy parking. Thursday, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, 6.30 to 8.30, seven steps for retirement readiness. It's going to cover things like taxes and income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, health and wellness. Have you ever been to a retirement luncheon? CFP Chad Burton, question for you. Have I been to a retirement luncheon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, even, I mean, I guess the most recent one would have been my own mom who worked for me for, I don't know, what, 12 years? Okay. And so, yeah, yeah, I've definitely been to many. I mean, so you started in the business when I was 19 years old, and I'll be 50 this year. Um, you know, I started in in the world of retirement and estate planning. And so went to a lot of retirement events, for sure. I think one of the most interesting coming up is going to be one at a racetrack. Really? Who's that for? Or not who's that for, but what that's all, what is that all about? Uh, Just a a group of friends that have a love for cars and um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good time. I like to go fast too. I think I'm missing something in that formula. The group of friends. (laughs) Is that something that you need to create Rob before you actually retire? There's actually a group that I'm uh, bonding with up in Marin right now called the Mom Group, and it's the men of Marin. And uh, I'm working on it, but uh, it's a work in process. Let's talk a little bit about um, retirement and some of the concepts we're going to hit. One of them is going to be the recent rally sparked by what you would refer to as the ideal rate cut scenarios or or potential rate cut scenarios. Uh, what do we need to know about this? Well, so the the end of the 2023 rally, right? That was really sparked by the idea that, okay, the Fed's done raising rates and they're signaling that they're going to cut rates. And so all of a sudden the market priced in, you know, four to five rate cuts and had a big rally where 
you know, still hit recent highs in the S&P 500, but it was kind of like, be careful what you ask for, because if the feds are really going to cut rates that fast, it means the economy's struggling. And now we're getting more of the soft landing. Hey, things are pretty good. There are still signs of inflation out there. Um, There's some good and some bad. And, you know, a lot of it weighs on the earnings reports that are going to come out right now. Um, But it it, it kind of came to the realization that rates probably aren't going to come down that fast. And of course, now you're starting to hear about, hey, maybe we don't see a rate cut until mid-year and things just kind of hold steady as we wait for economic data to come out and see how companies are adjusting to these higher rates and higher wages. One of the chief strategists at Ned Davis Research kind of talked about what you just talked about. Um, And he said the Dow will surge 24% after the Fed's first rate cut with recession looking unlikely. So he's saying is if things do go bad and the Fed cuts sooner, you can expect a 24% rally in the Dow. Now, again, there's hundreds of economists out there, but the scenarios of maybe bad news could be good news is looming. And maybe the scenarios of good news is good news for earnings. There's, there's a lot of things to be cautiously optimistic about. Um, the 10-year treasury, I think you sent me some notes on this um, in the two-year treasury rate. I don't really get too active in the two-year treasury, like reporting financially media-wise. To me, it's the 10-year because that's just the easiest one to go with, I think. Um, how do you approach the two-year and the 10-year? Well, yeah, I mean, the 10-year sets things, you know, is more, is more tied to interest rates and other, you know, measurements of of you know, what we're paying for our real estate and things like that. So mm-hmm. for example, everybody knows this is not new news. Everybody knows there's a whole bunch of commercial loans coming due this year. Um, because when you have a commercial loan on a, on a, you know, you've got your residential loans, like if you have a rental property, but commercial mm-hmm. loans, office building, apartments, things like that, typically your, your loans are amortized over 15 or 30 years, but the rates are only locked for five or 10. So by nature, every five or 10 years, you know, people have to redo their loans and a lot of commercial properties are refinancing at a higher rate. So that, yeah, that's, that's more t- tied towards the 10 year. Um, I guess you could say, but when we talk about, um, inverted yield curve, that's typically twos and tens. Right. You're you're looking at what interest rate if I loan the U.S. government money uh, by buying a 10 year bond from the U.S. government, considered one of the safest investments in the world. Yes. um, Shouldn't I get paid more money than when I loan the government money for two years on a two year treasury rate? Because typically if you lock your money up for longer, just like a CD at the bank, you're supposed to get a higher rate. Right. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, but we had an inverted yield curve mid-2022. And so we still are in a situation, it's kind of funny that people just don't talk about it much lately, but the 10-year treasury is 3.88%. The two-year treasury is 4.23. So we still have this inverted yield curve, which a lot of people try to tie to a recession. Now, an inverted yield curve isn't necessarily, yeah, we're definitely going to have a recession. But when you look historically, um, you know, over many years, Sometimes between, you know, a few months to a few years, there's some sort of a recession, but that's kind of normal, Rob, right? We, I mean, we've been doing this since 19, what, 99 together. Yep. So we, we see recessions every five to seven years or so. And that's a very healthy and normal part of the economy. Um, but we still technically really haven't had that recession yet since, um, you know, even 2022 with the big drop in the market um, and interest rates starting to go up. So so far, we have this kind of Goldilocks soft landing, despite of a couple wars going on and, and some mixed economic numbers. But you know, things are are looking really good. And, and let's face it, the stock market takes really, really good care of you over time. 
So if anything, when you're younger and building wealth, when you do have the big dips that come from a recession or come from something we're not even talking about, you should be buying, buying, buying. Okay. Um, but if you're going into retirement right now, uh, within the next, especially five years, and you've got this opportunity where interest rates are finally back to where they were close to 2006, and you haven't rebalanced between growth and value and you know stocks versus bonds and real estate and other asset classes, it's a great time to rebalance um, after this run up in the market. We don't have time to get into some of these ladder strategies and T-notes, but we'll hit that as soon as we come off the break. And we'll talk about value versus growth. CFP Chad Burton and myself are going to be doing a nice event, a big event. It's the first live event of the year at the Stanford Park Hotel, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30. Runs from about 6.30 to 8.30. And I'll be there a few hours early if anyone wants to set up a meeting. Chad will be there early as well. Um, just a good time to get your questions answered. We bring CFPs with us. It's the seven steps for retirement readiness. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. CFP Chad Burton is on the air today, and it's always educational and insightful. He's a regional director. He's also a certified financial planner um, with EP Wealth. You can find him at chadburton.com. at C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. Great website. Lots of free stuff that's always been insistent by him that there be educational components on his site to help people figure out financial planning issues. Um, while you're there, you can sign up for the event for February 15th, the seven tests or the seven steps for retirement readiness. Chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. That's coming up on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. I might bring some people some chocolates um, just to celebrate the day after Valentine's Day. That, that may get me out of the Valentine's Day date, hopefully. Uh, but something tells me it won't. Um, Chad, let's talk a little bit about value versus growth, and then we'll come back to a little bit of income in the portfolio and your your ways of approaching it. What do we need to know about the value versus growth lessons? Uh, well, it's, it's, what's interesting is like when when people are are younger, and I think they start to think about investing, they hear the term proper asset allocation, and they think, oh, that means I'm going to outperform the the stock market, mm-hmm. and that's actually you know, could be true over a long period of time, but it might not be true in a situation where the concentrated parts of the S&P 500, which currently are tech, you know, that's more tilted towards tech than ever before, have an amazing year, right? So if you look at um, the S&P 500 and you break it down between value and growth, and I think Vanguard does a good job doing this with their ETFs um, and for full disclosure, I do and clients do own these ETFs um, and as parts of their portfolio. So Vanguard Growth ETF VUG, okay. it's it's going to be more looking like the Nasdaq, right? Much more tech oriented because in a growth oriented index, you're going to it's really going to be based on revenue growth and sales growth and those types of things versus price to earnings ratio being low, right? So you got growth and value. Growth you're looking for um, really, you know 
companies that are changing the world, right? Right now that has to do with technology and AI. Um, when value indexes, they're going to be looking at stocks that might be underpriced or in a turnaround situation. So their price to earnings ratio are lower than the overall market, the price to book, price to sales. So there's different rules. Um, that's more of the the Warren Buffett approach, right? I want to, I want to pay a, a, a very cheap price for a company that I think is going to be a lot worth a lot more in the future. So last year, VUG total return was around 40, almost 47%. And VTV, the value ETF, was 9.32, which is typically a really good year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So people that were more growth-oriented are like, oh, I crushed value. But if you look back to where the shift occurred, where in 2022 was the tech wreck year, right? Tech got crushed because of the thought of higher interest rates. So when I looked at, when we look at those two ETFs, say, okay, what was the total return over a two-year period? If you would have invested January 1st, 2022, when the idea of, oh, Feds might start considering raising rates kind of came into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and eventually we had that inverted yield curve mid-year. The total return from January 1st, 2022 of, of VUG is 1.85% by the end of 2023, whereas VTV was up 7.07% over that same period of time. So you had what happened in 2022 is both, both of those ETFs were slightly down, but VTV was down way less. The value was down way less than the growth. So don't get me wrong. I love growth, right? Um, you know, it's, it's turning 50 this year. I finally added and, and, bonds becoming more attractive than they've been since 2006. I've added some fixed income to my personal portfolio, but I've been very stock heavy because I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. Um, And and growth pays off over time, but you've got to have that mix of growth and value uh, as you, especially as you edge into retirement. So 10 years out, you should start having a plan in place. that says, how am I going to have my portfolio look like I want it to look the day I retire, but I want that to occur five years from retirement so that if there's any kind of change in market conditions, I don't have to change my plans, my, my planned retirement date. Because what asset allocation typically means is that you're, you're trying to keep up with the market in the good years, but do better in the bad years. You're trying to smooth out your returns over time. And so during the event, that's why I show two different investment options that one has a specific set rate of return and the other one looks way more like the stock market with um, you know positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time. The average annual rate of return is higher, but the resulting value of the portfolio on the portfolio with the lower average annual rate of return is actually higher because of what's called the, the geometric mean. So it's investing can be a game of math, especially as you're pulling money out and it's about volatility. It's not just people look in their 401ks and they look at the, you know, one and three year returns, which can be very misleading. You really have to look out over 10 years and you really have to realize that, okay, there's periods of time that can last five to 10 years where growth outperforms value or value outperforms growth or small cap, mid cap, large cap, international. You've got to own it all and continue to rebalance your portfolio because the idea is that you're trying to get outperformance over a 10 to 15 year period, not over a single year. And I think investors have a very short-term memory. So if people in this last two years proves it, right? People that were in love with tech by the end of 2023 forgot how bad it was hammered in 2022. And then people that hated value by the end of 2023 don't realize that it outperformed growth over that two-year period by quite a bit. I got an email from someone who was bragging 
about his 2023 returns. And I was like, how did he do it in 2022? Exactly. And he exactly. got quiet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, even after you talk about value, I have the question that pops in my head of the average person says, should I buy NVIDIA now? Like I, you could say it, Chad, and sometimes it won't sink in with people. Well, you know, that was something I was going to talk about in another segment is, yep. is, is highly concentrated stock positions. And if you're buying the S&P 500 right now, um, you're already buying a bunch of NVIDIA, right? That's because right. if you look at the holdings of the S&P 500, it's, it's 500 of the largest companies in America, but it's market cap rated towards the largest companies. So you've already got a, a pretty large exposure to NVIDIA, Microsoft, Apple, and everything else just by buying the S&P 500 in your 401k. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts, regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. I've decided that I want a retirement party. I don't know why I'm not ready to retire, but suddenly it sounds attractive. I never had the big wedding. You know, I've never had my big graduation party. Um, I was always low key, but I to decide if I get, get the retirement party, I got to go through the seven steps to retirement readiness with CFP Chad Burton Thursday, February 15th, 630 to 830. You can sign up for it. It's in Menlo Park. It's a great location with a great restaurant. It would be a good restaurant to book reservations for. Um, let's say if you forgot Valentine's Day the day before, or you just want to do the day after Valentine's Day because it's a lot less foot traffic in the restaurants. Um, that, that's not a bad idea. So the seven steps for retirement readiness, you can sign up at robblackshow.com or chadburton.com. This podcast will be on robblackshow.com. It will also be on Chad Burton's podcast feed, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts. Um, and it's called the New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Chad, let's talk about concentrated stock positions because sometimes they happen over your lifetime and sometimes they happen while you work at a company. Sometimes it's the one stock you just can't seem to quit and you, you keep buying more of. I had a friend who was a janitor 25 years ago at AOL. And uh, as the company was growing, he just kept buying more of the stock, even though his wife said, that's too concentrated, diversify. And he ended up making a couple million dollars because he could just couldn't quit it. Uh, what's your thoughts on concentrated stocks? Well, and it's hard to quit it too. If you go to work for a company and they're paying you with stock options, RSUs, you have the employee stock purchase program. And in some cases, the stock match in the 401k, it's just, you know, that's the way it is. I mean, you're going to have, yeah. if your net worth is smaller and you're starting out, it's obviously going to be a huge part of your net worth, which can be okay. I mean, honestly, if, if I was to boil down, um, of my high net client group, you know, where money came from, it was probably the primary is, is business owners that sold their companies. Okay. Um, and then concentrated stock positions and technology. 
Um, and then, you know, probably inheritance, I guess, would be next. Uh, and there are actually, I, I take that back. There's probably four, just people that just saved diligently, like, you know, invested every two weeks for their entire life into the market and just created a massive amount of wealth by saving. So, and you can't not concentrate stock positions. I mean, it's, it's, I'd be knocking a good majority of our clients from Apple and NVIDIA and, and Meta and all these companies. So the, the issue is, is that you really have to kind of start focusing, especially 10 years out from retirement is how am I going to deal with this situation? Yeah. Um, now when somebody's there, there's hedging strategies that we can talk about with options um, like selling calls or buy, selling calls and buying protective puts. The problem is, is most of the time when you're working for the company, you're not able to do this. In some cases you can with what's called a, uh, that 10B plan where you can set things up in, in the future. That gets really complicated for radio. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about options in a moment because I, th- I believe that options like selling calls and, and buying protective puts and things like that, it's a good way to protect wealth or create income on a position you know you you want to trim over time. Right. It's not, I don't look at it unless you're 100% full-time job as a day trader as a way to create wealth. So, um, it, that's, that's, I think that's important to, to know that we use those, those options and hedging strategies once the wealth has kind of been created and we want to start drawing. Right. So the first thing to do, let's say you're 50, 55 years old and you realize, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really concentrated in the company that I work for. Most options that are given to people these days as employees are RSUs where you get a, a, an RSU grant and, Every quarter or every year, a certain number of shares are vested and they just give those shares to you in a brokerage account. And when that, when that vesting occurs, when these shares become 100% yours, they typically sell a couple of shares to pay the tax withholding and the rest are sitting in your account. And if you already own a hundred percent, a bunch of that company stock, there is no tax purposes for continuing to hold those remaining shares of RSUs. You should be, if you're already overweight in that specific company, you should be selling those and immediately investing those in a more diversified portfolio. So that's step number one is stop holding those vested RSUs. Okay. Um, step number two, where a lot of people come into play is that they're also adding to their employee stock purchase program where you can defer a percentage of your pay and buy your company stock at a discount, essentially. And again, if you're doing the step where you're selling the RSUs as they vest, then your next step, if you're still overweight and you're going into retirement, it starts as as you buy more ESPPs at a discount, because that's a kind of a good deal. Start selling older ones that you've held. And I'll just say over two years, because there's there's it can be tricky with ESPPs, but to get the, the best tax treatment and be safe, make sure that you've held them for over two years and start trimming the same number of shares that you're buying um, if possible in your plan so that you're not continuing to add to the problem, right? The next step after that, Rob, and, you know, feel free to stop me if I'm run on sentence here, but the next, the next one after that is check your 401k investments. That's the other place that people are saving money, right? Um, you can put in a bunch of money pre-tax into 401ks. And then if you work at companies like Microsoft, Apple, um, Meta, you know, all, all these companies have this opportunity Cisco where you can add after tax contributions on top of that that immediately convert to the Roth 401k. So we have 
clients there that are able to put in between their pre-tax and their after-tax that goes into the Roth eventually with them. It's called the mega Roth 401k option. We have people that are putting, you know, over 40, 50 grand into the 401k. Um, and so in the 401k, you have to be careful. If, if, if you work for Microsoft, Apple, Nvidia, Amazon, Google, Meta, you probably shouldn't be buying just the S&P 500 in your 401k because the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index. 7.3% is Microsoft. 6.9 is Apple. 3.69 is NVIDIA. 3.48% is Amazon. So that's where you want to say, okay, what's the right mix here? Maybe I should be concentrating on value and small cap and other you know types of investments or fixed income, which are, is the same thing as bonds in the 401k so that you're, can, you're again, not adding to the problem. So if you're 50 years old and you say, okay, I'm going to stop adding to the problem. I'm going to sell my RSUs as they invest. I'm going to sell my two-year-old ESPPs as I buy new ones. And then you can run some financial planning projections to say, okay, by the time I re- I'm going to go into retirement at 65, now how much do I think that that stock is going to be worth of the overall picture? So that you can come up with a plan that says, okay, you know, I need to probably trim, you know, two to 10% of that position each year over time and start diversifying it so that I don't get caught in the situation that you and I have seen so many times since you know, we've been, we, you know, got in the business in 93, you and I started doing this together in 1999. I can't tell you how many stories that we, you know, could tell about people that over invested in a sector at all time highs or an individual stock that was always outperforming. And then all of a sudden went through a, a long period of time, whether it's like an IBM or a Cisco, where they totally underperformed the market and they wish they would have just sold, paid some taxes and diversified. Um, so it's it's really important because as people retire, your risk tolerance drops real quick, right? You go That's from true. feed you go from feeding these accounts. You have um, you know, let's say you're 50 years old and your your kids are finally out of college, so you have extra income. You're socking a ton of money into your 401k and your uh, maybe your Roth IRAs and saving some money on top of that, and you still have take home pay if you're lucky enough to to live life properly. Then Um, so you're investing aggressively, but then as soon as you retire, you no longer have that paycheck. You have this limited resource known as your portfolio, which is your taxable account, your IRA, your Roth, your 401k that has to last 30 to 40 years. And so your, your risk tolerance will drop immediately. And so what happens is if people go into retirement in highly concentrated positions and they're already naturally going to have a lower risk tolerance, but then the market corrects or that individual position gets halved. Mm-hmm. then they tend to make emotional decisions and sell at the worst time possible, sit in cash, never go back in and basically ruin their retirement with one move. And, and it, it, it happens. So it's part of our job say that. make sure it doesn't. One of the stories I was working on yesterday was uh, your grandmother could ruin the stock market because the next time there's a five to 10% correction, all those grandmothers and we're at peak 65 this year, um, could decide to get out of the market and it can kind of snowball into a bigger pullback than you were thinking it was. Um, what do you think about peak 65? Have you heard that phrase yet? You know, I just saw you post something on it yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's cause we've been talking about this for years where 10,000 baby boomers every day are turning 65. And so I guess I didn't realize we're at the peak of that and it might kind of dwindle down. Um, and that is a group that, you know, is able to retire, right? Because of the money that they're inheriting from their depression era parents that, actually knew how to save money. <laughs> so 
I can't tell you how many people too I've seen, Rob, that their saving grace was inheriting money. And that's how they're able to finally retire. Because we, we can't forget that we're we're talking about wealth issues and dealing with wealth and retirement, but 74% of the population will only have Social Security at retirement. You know, they're they're drastically underprepared. Uh, and so I think that that you can kind of think about that the same way when you're going into a highly concentrated position or you've been lucky enough to ride this huge wave in AI up on things like NVIDIA is that um you know, if you if you start to sell a little bit and diversify and the stock continues to rally up, yeah, missing out on a little bit more upside, that eh, it's it's kind of a bummer, right? But it is much worse being hit with that downside because that changes everything. You know, missing out on some upside and you diversify and you go into a portfolio that's still going to meet your financial goals, you're still going to be fine. But if you don't do that and you do get hit with that black swan event on that corporation that you're too over-invested in or that sector you're too over-invested in, that is going to affect your retirement, make you potentially have to go back to work or run out of money before the day you die. One of the things, and there's a couple, maybe a few, things that I do not like about CNBC is it feels like there's just show after show talking about options. And I think that's an area where a lot of people get into a lot of trouble, especially if they don't own the stock and they're trying to just do the option side of the trade. Um, I'm not going to say they're expensive. I'm not going to give a lot of commentary on this, but I've never seen an amateur do options. Well, is the best way of saying that Chad's talking about concentrated positions. He's talking about options. He is CFP Chad Burton. He will be live at the event on the 15th, the seven steps for retirement readiness. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. That's 630 to 830 in Menlo Park. Great location. We haven't been to this one in a while, um, but top-notch location with a top-notch restaurant and uh, a good room to do presentations in. Chad, let's talk a little about the stock option strategy. And again, CNBC makes it sound very sexy, um, but I've never seen an individual do them well. Yeah, I mean, the only people that I've seen do them well are full-time traders. Like that, that's right. that is their job. Um, so it's it's kind of tough because usually it's it's tough enough to explain one of the most confusing, I guess you could say, financial instruments with a chart. So on radio, it's a little bit difficult, I will say. But the idea with um, if you have concentrated positions, um, let's let's say over two hundred fifty thousand dollars in a single stock that you know you either want to hedge so that you can sell uh, in the next year and move the tax event into the next year, or you know you want to start trimming a specific stock or a group of stocks. Um, you don't want to sell it all right now, but you know you want to start trimming and taking that four to five percent income from that in retirement. And one of the reasons you don't want to sell is because I don't want to pay all the taxes right now. But hey, if it goes up 10, 15, 20%, yeah, I'm totally happy to sell some shares. Uh, the strategy there is selling covered calls. Now, again, I will say, Rob, that these types of hedging strategies or or selling options, a lot of people aren't able to do it when they work for the company. So sometimes this, a, good, a good portion of the time happens after people retire and they're like, okay, now I need to really start dealing with this concentrated stock position. Um, there's a financial instrument, very, very common out there. Insurance companies especially use these all the time um, called a, a call option, right? Um, so a call option, if you buy a call option, it gives you the right to buy a certain stock at a specific price. So if a stock is trading at a hundred bucks and you buy a call option at, 
at you know 105 and the stock rallies to 120, you have the ability to buy that stock at 105 because you bought that that option to do so. Now, if the stock doesn't hit that and it goes down, then you've essentially bought something that becomes worthless. Now, on the other side of it, people are selling those call options. So if you have a position that you know you want to sell, but you know what, I want to, I think it's going to go up. I want to participate in the upside, but I'd be willing to sell a little bit. Yep. If it does go up, then you can sell a call option and actually create immediate cash in an account. Now, this limits potential upside. Okay, so that's something to realize. But the idea is that I've identified uh, a specific stock. In some cases, you can do this on index fund, for, for example. And I want to start pulling money out. And I don't really, I can continue to ride the volatility, but I just want to trim a little bit at a time. And so let's say you, you have a million dollar position in Apple and you want to draw 40 grand a year. You can start selling covered calls on it. it. Will limit some of your upside, but if the stock moves, you know, sideways or 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 down over time, that call income that the selling the calls, if the stock doesn't ever rally up beyond that, could create that income you need without actually getting rid of any of the shares. Um, now, if the stock rallies back up, we don't just let the stock get called away and you lose this position. And pay a bunch of taxes. That would be silly. So if the stock rallies up, congratulations, you participated on the upside. But what you're going to have to do is buy some of those callback options back at a slight loss and sell some new ones. And when you do that, you do have this tax loss that you can actually use that loss to trim a few shares at a gain without paying taxes by offsetting it. So it's a very actively managed situation in terms of you know, what's the stock price doing? We don't want the call, the, the stock to ever get called away. We want to control that situation. And so it is a very active managed situation where, you know, you might sell a calls on a position. You might have calls that expire in two months, in four months, and six months. And then those are all actively managed based on what the stock is doing. And the goal is to create income right now, but uh, kind of hedge that 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 income is being hedged by selling those calls. So if the stock is sideways or down, the, the call income is creating your income needs. And if the stock starts going up, then you start trimming some of that um, over time. Now, if you don't need the income, it might still be a smart thing to do because if you're overweight in a position and you create a financial plan and you agree to, okay, you know what, I'm going to trim five to ten percent of this each year over time, so that within five or ten years, I'm more fully diversified, you can start selling calls and shoveling money over into another diversified account that's being invested so that you come up with a diversification plan over time. Now, does this mean you pay some taxes? Yes, it does. But that means either the calls are doing well or your stock is going up. So congratulations, you're winning, right? Um, I think a lot of people get into this thinking that, oh, if I sell calls, the stock is going to get called away from me if it rallies and then I'm out of it forever. And that's really not the case. And so this is very you know, it's, it's complicated. It's tough to explain on radio. I hope it made a little bit of sense, but it is a great option for um, either a highly concentrated stock position or one that I've done before. It's that, Chad, it's something that I yeah. do with my yeah. relationship with my CFP, Brad, and his relationship with EP Wealth. Can I mention the name of the company? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we work with a company called Spider Rock that, that does this, yeah. Which a minority owner of that company is BlackRock. And let's just say BlackRock is a really intelligent company. It's it's very high end and people should be very cautious. But with that said, that's why you work with CFPs. Um, and it's worked out very well for me, but that's no promise that it will in the future. Um, do you want to finish this thought? Because we've got about 45 seconds. 
Yeah, I mean, you could do this too with some index. So let's say you're drastically overweight and you think of the S&P 500 and you want to reduce your equity exposure over time, but not sell everything right now. You can actually do these call options on indexes as well. Okay, people can contact CFP Chad Burton if you want to become a client or see if you're ready to retire. Um, great, you can go to his website, chadburton.com and do that. If you want to take another step and see a little bit more before you make that commitment, there's a big event coming up, Seven Steps for Retirement yeah. Readiness, Stanford Park Hotel in Midlow Park, 6.30 to 8.30, February 15th. Learn more at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Sign up today. <laughs> 